This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. Hi everybody, welcome to the show. My name is Francis Populin and my guest today is Frank Latito. Frank is an award-winning Australian director and producer. Um, he's been involved in a whole swag of things. He's an actor, he's a comedian, he's a writer, He's uh, created the Growing Up Smith uh, independent film that was highly critically acclaimed. He's been involved in TV shows such as the Dr. Blake Mysteries. But the topic, I guess, that we're going to be talking about for this one is the newly released Wog Boys Forever film. Frank was the director of that film, and this is his insight into directing. Um, like all things, I try to go backwards before we go too, too far forward. So this goes right back into how it all started for Frank, leading up to various roles and, and changes in his career, right through to talking about how that film came together and some of the challenges that they actually faced bringing that film to the market. But then we're going to nail and drill right into the very fine detail of directing um, and also how a, a writer or a creator gets their vision across to a director and then how much influence or what steps that director has to take in order to change and mold essentially what we see on the screen as the end product. Now the audio quality at the start is a bit scratchy and it didn't properly record the first part of the conversation. Now this is where Frank talks about how he got into the entertainment business. So to summarise the bits that were missed, Basically, he was working at uh, at a restaurant and and got discovered for his his talent, his natural gift of acting and performing, and that sort of flowed on from being asked to do certain roles. That's the bit that I think got cut off. Now we had a terrible internet connection and we kept losing connection and it got glitchy and slowed down. As frustrating as it is, it's still a great conversation. So please stick with the poor audio in patches because the the total episode is great. The story is great. Enjoy the show. I'll catch you on the other side. He said to me, look, I'm, I'm doing a theatre show um, and I'd love for you to audition for one of the roles. And, uh, and so he was doing a theatre show. It was called... Um, uh, the Miser. Uh, it was by French playwright uh, J.B. Moliere, and uh, it was a 16th century play. And of course, I've never done plays before, but I auditioned for it, and I got the role of uh, of the son, the son of the miser. Can't remember his name now, but um, so look. Uh, to my surprise, I kind of uh, jumped into uh, the deep end, and we started rehearsing. We rehearsed for about four or five weeks. Uh, and then uh, I remember it was opening night and uh, I didn't know at the time, but I, I got stage fright. So I um, uh, the, the show had started. I was backstage. I got stage fright. I was running to the toilet. I was oh, vomiting geez. my guts out at, at one end and, uh, and I was about to go out on stage. And all of a sudden I heard um, someone call out my name, my real name, not my character's name, from stage and said, Frank, uh, fire, fire. And I looked out on stage and the curtains had caught fire. And so here I am in my 16th century gear, uh, my outfit, my makeup, and uh, I, I, I ran and, and got the closest fire extinguisher. I ran out onto the stage and I put out the fire uh, uh, with the extinguisher. And, of course, everyone started clapping. And I thought, oh, wow, this is 
it's great. What a what a what a great feeling. And so um, we ended up starting the show again. And and the next day, the, the local paper came out. Not only was I the hero of the night by saving the the theater, but I was the standout performance. Wow. And um, and that was my first kind of like you know hooray into the 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 world of of acting or theater. Um, and and that the night after. Uh, opening night um there was uh, another fellow who came to see the show read the article came to see the show and hired me uh as an actor um to do a show called uh, a comedy show a stage show called the wedding and it was about an italian uh, guy who marries a greek girl and the clash of cultures and this particular show ran for i think about six years and we wow. did shows all around australia and that's how and and that's how I became an actor. And so from there, I kind of did, you know, I got myself an agent and I did bit parts in TV shows and films and uh, and the rest was history, really. Um, I kind of, I, and, and while I was acting I was and, and I started doing more TV shows and films, I was really interested in what was happening behind the scenes as opposed to what I was doing in front of the camera. And so I would, you know, I was naive. I didn't really know how the industry worked, but I would go around, you know, I saw other actors reading books. I would go around and talk to the crew and and ask this person what he was doing or what she was doing. What department do you work in? Uh, You're the grip, you're the gaffer. Uh, You work in the art department. And I would kind of like, you know, um, uh, talk to them and ask them questions and, and, and you know, lift a, a, set, a shot bag and try and help out. And it's like, no, no, you can't do that. You're an actor. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I basically, that's how I learned the trade and I be- eventually became a producer and then uh, moved into directing, you know. So that wow. was, that was a, for me, the progression. And in between that, I, I still was performing and doing stage shows and I also had a stint in, uh, stand-up comedy as well and that kind of helped me really because uh, my stand-up was really about my upbringing and uh, personal uh, you know stories and that helped me become a bit of a storyteller and and kind of uh, start writing as well so um, yeah that, that's that's how I became a film producer and director was, in a was, nutshell, <laughs> <laughs> the the transition from because you've done work with American actors, um, and, yes, is there yeah. a big difference? Do you notice a massive difference in uh, you know? I suppose so many aspects. Is it the the, the personalities or the the way that it comes together once you've left Australian, you know, acting or directing, and you're turning up over on on the Hollywood doorstep? Um, look, I it it was. It is a little different, I think that, um, but on an indie level, because the films that I've done in the US, uh, we're still at an indie level. So we're talking, yeah. you know, films that are under $5 million budget. Um, but what I was working with some decent, you know, name actors. Um, but the good thing was I was able to kind of start as a producer. So I, I produced a, a film called The Lookalike, which was directed by Richard Gray. Uh, who's also an Australian uh, guy uh, living and working in the US at the moment, um, and, and and we were working with actors like Justin Long and Jerry O'Connell and John Corbett, Louise Guzman, Gina Gershon, and they were really big name actors yeah. working on a small indie film. And I was a- able to kind of observe as as a producer, kind of sit back and and kind of look at 
how things were, you know. And and as Australians, we're so used to doing everything ourselves, you know. So I was kind of like, although I was the producer, I was also the location manager and the the location scout and the, you know, the runner and the the driver, and I was doing everything. So I really got to kind of know how how things were. And we shot in in New Orleans as well. So, uh, but what was nice about working with those kind of actors is that they knew, even though they'd worked for bigger budget films and studio films that they knew how hard we were working and they were very accommodating. And so even though they didn't have trailers or, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, uh, their own drivers or they stayed in accommodation, which wasn't, you know, five-star hotels, they were really happy to just do the work. And I realised that, you know, uh, yeah, that that there isn't much of a difference between uh, at that level between um, how we work as Australians making films wow. and, and Americans. I think, you know, talent, uh, even though some of them were used to kind of being pampered or, you know, yeah. uh, with their own trailer and this and that, yeah. <laughs> um, I think they were really happy to just work and actors are, are, are actors and even crew, you know, they really banded together and and uh, and just got the job done. And uh so I think I really haven't experienced the filmmaking on on a, on a bigger level, on a studio level. Yeah. So I really can't, you know. Yeah. To me, there wasn't much difference, to be honest, because we were kind of working at that at that level. So yeah, with those actors, and this is just what I would would think could happen is when they come into that indie space, does that give them a lot more scope to really um, experiment and and put their heart and soul with their own brand on it as such, because they're not governed by the studio mentality where it's got to be this and it's got to be this timeline and this is what's expected. Does it give them that more creative freedom in that space? Yeah, that's an interesting question, Francis. I I really think it does because, um, you know, when I shot Growing Up Smith and I produced and was one of the producers, but I also directed the film, uh, I worked close with um, uh, Jason Lee, who played uh, Butch, one of the characters in the film, and you know he's used to working on on big films. You probably know him yeah. or in TV shows. You probably know him from My Name Is Earl, and yeah, he's almost yep. famous. Uh, he did the Chipmunks franchise, so he was you know kind of used to working on. But it was really nice, kind of collaborate. It was more like a collaboration. I think one of the nicest things he said to me at the end was, you know. Uh, Frank, it was it, it was really nice working with you because you you really know actors, and so I felt like I was able to kind of communicate with him and yeah. and work together. And you know, for example, yeah. uh, talking about his character early on when we first met, um, giving the character nuances and and character traits that kind of build layers. You know, uh, kind of uh, uh, thing about motorcycle, motorcycles. He liked old school motorcycles, and and I thought, I oh, wouldn't it be nice if if um you know his character was because wouldn't it be nice if he was kind of like restoring old motorcycles, and he rode this you know kind of uh, old Indian motorcycle that really liked that, and we kind of built on that, and and really became a, a uh, a, a thread in the in the movie where it connected uh, his character and the character 
of of Smith, the little kid, where he wanted to be like Butch, and he had a motorcycle, and the kid had this little bike uh, yeah. that he wanted it, you know, to kind of stand out like the motorcycle. So it became a, a little thread that had a, a really nice package at the end of, uh, and, and it pulled it all together at the end of the film. So. Um, yeah, you know, if I didn't have that connection with the actors uh, and they didn't have the freedom to to kind of collaborate and, and you know, and give their sort of input, then maybe we wouldn't have had those yeah, little nuances definitely. and layers within the film. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. To answer your question, I think it was, it, it was nice for them. And, I, and even in some of the other films, a lot of the actors were really happy to contribute that way and say, well, what about this? And what about that? Can we try it like this? And there is a bit, I think, you know, in the studio system without knowing, I'm guessing that there is not that much freedom where they have to yeah. kind of like, well, this is, this is how we want it. You know, you're a superhero. This is, this is how you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You know, one, uh, yeah, one so production. That's my experience anyway. Because you, you were involved in um, uh, an episode of the Dr. Blake Mysteries. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that show to um, me is of 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 was it's such a shame it's gone because it was a, a, a such a high quality standard across the board. I thought from the writing, from the way it was filmed, from the, the attention to detail, to everything about that, for me really set uh, a, a very high standard. And would you agree that 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 really that show did step uh, up a, a run? Oh, absolutely! I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I'm I'm really good friends with uh, George Adams, who was the creator and writer, main writer of that show, oh, and um, he's a brilliant, brilliant man. And I was I was really impressed when I stepped on set and and saw what was going on, and not and not just the quality of of the production and and the writing and the characters. But also the the energy on set, which in turn uh, I decided to um, employ or work with uh, Craig Barden, the cinematographer, and his team that that shot um, the Doctor Blake murder mystery. So um, yeah, so I was uh, you know it's funny you should say that because I was so impressed with the way that show was put together that uh, when it came to kind of picking a DP. Photography. I looked at at Craig and I thought, oh, he'd be and and he does. He he brings such um, uh, professionalism and and uh, and real kind of, um, uh, I guess, um, uh, I'm, I'm, the word I'm trying to look for is uh, is is very particular and and has. Um, uh, a great sense of of look and feel and 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 giving the director what what they want you know and wow. so uh, and bringing a great team with him as well that that really are in sync and work well well together i mean we we shot um and sorry this was on wog boys forever which which was recently released yeah. um and we shot that in i think 22 days so it was a very quick shoot 
Wow. Uh, it was an ensemble piece, as you know, lots of locations. Yeah. But those those guys uh, were with Craig as their leader were able to really pull it together and and we, they, they did an amazing job. And that was all because of Dr. Blake. So. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> it's uh, one of my favourite shows. Yeah, underrated, very, yeah. very underrated. Um, the the so that's a good lead in too because yeah, I'm and George, not... you know, it's funny because sorry, I was just going to say, um, and George, uh, we were we were friends prior to to working together, but after working together, we've we've kind of collaborated and and trying to get other things off the ground together. I think George Adams is is one of the best sort of writers and producers of our generation. Wow. Um, uh, and, and so we continue to kind of try and find something that we can collaborate on and, and work together. We, we haven't, but we we hopefully will very soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I definitely hope because yeah. you can definitely tell when there's a synergy and there's people that um, work the same, think the same, strive for the same, and it and it it just yeah. it gets a different feel to it. And and sometimes that only comes maybe when there's a bit of that grassroots struggle independent space you know where that can yeah. it can shine absolutely um, yeah absolutely and you know as you know it's quite difficult to get things off the ground these days oh i can imagine yeah yeah so, well i was going to quiz you on that it's but a collaborative process yeah yeah, yeah. um so I, I wanted to go into i suppose the nuts and bolts of directing um and using as wog boy three as a as an example um sure because obviously it's it's you know it's a fresh release and it's a great great movie um so tell me pull me up if i'm wrong so nick uh nick wrote the film so you you would say that he he wrote basically created it and wrote it and then he went to you asked you to be the director so yes what impact or or i suppose how much as a director can you change from what he's presented to you as such. Like, is it, I've always wondered when someone is a, is a writer or a creator, um, how do they, you know, is it just a script that gets their vision across to you as the first instance? Um, because that's one thing, it's going to be very hard for what's in his head, the feel, the look um, to get that sure. across. But then once he's done that, how much do you turn around and say, okay, well, we need to change this, pull that, swap that. Yeah, oh, look, um, I think uh, Nick and I had had talked about the film early on and, and even before Nick had written uh, the script, he pitched the idea and I thought it was, it was really good and I thought it was kind of a nice way um, uh, to kind of, um, I guess, finish off the, the, the Wog Boy trilogy, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think when, when I read the script the first time, I could see exactly where Nick was heading with it. And, um, but he was very open to, to me kind of coming in and, and make, giving obviously my constructive criticism, but at the same time sharing my ideas and, and trying to, to kind of create those little, uh, you know, those little layers and new nuances within the film and what my what I wanted to bring to the table and what I felt like I did and and what Nick let me do was bring some a little bit more heart to the story and a little bit more heart to the characters and so 
And I think in particular uh, Nick's character because I, I feel like, um, you know, he's he's like the, the funny guy in, in, in one and two. And he, he's funny in this, but I think he's because he's playing that kind of down and out yeah. uh, character. Yeah, there was there was a little more scope for him to do something that was more sort of heartfelt and dramatic, which I think he he brought to the table, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but at the same time, um, you know, we didn't agree on on everything, but at the same time, I kind of I was gun for hire, and and Nick really knew his material. Rick know and Nick knows his audience, and so I really kind of had to uh, had to take that on board and go, okay. Um, well, Nick knows that, you know, he's done enough shows and, and it's worked in other movies, uh, how to pitch this. And and so it was really me bringing, as, as a director, bringing his vision that was on paper and, and as a producer to life and just and, and giving it something that would feel like it was cinematic. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, although it was it was Nick's story because he was a writer and he was a producer and he was the main actor in it, uh, I think I was able to contribute enough as a director uh, to give it a little something different from the other two movies. Um, in particular, you know, uh, I, I feel like I, I, a couple of things I wanted to do was, you know, obviously add some heart and uh, and um, some drama to to the series. Uh, to 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 the third instalment, um, but at the same time, I wanted to f- not feel like, and I hate to say it, but distinctly Australia, like an Australian film. So I wanted to make it feel like more international. Yeah. And I think um, what what he w- what he let me do was because um, I feel like the locations were were you know, characters in themselves. I know it sounds cliche, but I, I feel like Melbourne hasn't really been showcased uh, the way I see it or the way we see it uh, living here. And I think I was able to do that, bring, you know, kind of a, a feel and look in, into Melbourne. And that includes the, the suburbs, you know, oh, uh, the northern absolutely. suburbs where a lot of it was was shot. Yep. Um, yeah, and the city and the cityscape. And, um, uh, you know, so I, I feel like, that's very uh that's kind of got my broad strokes as a director uh, that that that's a little different from the the Wog boy one and two uh yeah. if you agree i don't know but. no I, I do and it's funny so uh, to 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 go over a few things you said is one i went and saw it with a friend of mine and who said when okay. it was finished he said to me um he goes oh geez that makes you want to go you know go and visit Melbourne looking at all that, those, that scenes. And oh, um, right. so, yeah, yeah. so you've hit the nail on the head there because that had that impact to him purely based on all of the, the you know, the, the filming oh, locations. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and the, the other thing, um, I mean, for me, I, I grew up in Melbourne uh, as a kid and I had Italian grandparents. So seeing some of those houses, w- w- it was just like a flashback to 1986. It was, you know, in- incredible. Yeah. Um, so you captured <laughs> captured it so well, uh, so many fine details that I think a lot of the audience would appreciate, and obviously some it would just go straight over the tops of the heads. But um, to those that care, would have really noticed those intricate details um, that really stood out. Yeah. Um, but the other thing, and it's I got, know, it's, it's, sorry, go ahead. Is was it that movie played on different things 
at, within itself. So, you know, you obviously you've always got the, uh, um, I know it sounds hard when you say race, cause you automatically think of tension, but it's, it's not tension as such. It's the, you know, the, the Australian versus the wog type cultures. Um, but it also had the element of the generational gap where you now had this sure. Insta generation versus pre Instagram generation. And then it also had the class generation as well. There was the wealth versus the, the battler, um, you know, or Absolutely. not verse, but but they were in there and there was elements that were mixing together. There was a lot of other things happening that, uh, that, that you know, I think was done quite well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. And I, I also think that um, it's a, in saying that it's also a, a, one of the more accurate, even though it's a comedy, I feel like it's one of the more accurate representations of what Australia really is yeah. and being a multicultural country. Um, and, and a lot of what you saw in, in this film, in Wog Boys Forever, we don't see in Australian television or film. No. Uh, and I'm not saying, uh, you know, uh, I mean, we had a, a really good cross-section and it was very diverse, put it that way. And we, I, don't, I feel like we don't see that enough in films. And I'm not talking about, tokenism or you know yeah. uh it's yeah it's more about like if i when i look at that it's not only nostalgic but it's the way i i was brought up it's the way i grew up in in melbourne you know yeah. we went to school and and there were uh people of diverse backgrounds greeks italians asian uh you know um lebanese uh so it it was it was normal for us and we and i think what the audiences really love about that film is that they see themselves up there. Yeah. They see themselves on screen, which they normally don't do on television. Uh, I think it's getting better, and I think there is representation uh, in television. More so, you know, if you look at it with a microscope, reality TV does a better job at, at representation than you know, drama or scripted television or film. Yeah. Um, we see a lot more kind of that diverse background in, you know, in MasterChef or, you know, The Block or, yeah. or things like that. Um, yeah. We don't see, I feel we still don't see enough of it in scripted television or, or drama unless, you know, I still feel like there's some stereotypes uh, uh, in there. But, um, yeah, I, I guess... Yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, going on a different tangent, but you, you no, understand I get, what I'm I, saying. I like, yeah, I, I exactly feel like, what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting, that same friend that I, I went with, he said to me, um, he said, oh, you know, watching that, they could have turned it into a TV series because being that right. Steve was the taxi driver, there's so many opportunities then to roll into, a, you know, a bunch of stories that could flow on yeah. so, so effortlessly. Yeah. Which is um, which is is onto your point is there isn't there isn't very much Australian based TV anymore. You you know if no. you go back even you know it's it, the ABC in itself like you know we were I suppose a bit spoiled probably ten years ago when like Wayne Hope had a um a lot of TV shows um you know, on the ABC. Um, and, and there was that sort of comedy, which I really, I really enjoy watching that because it's easy and you can relate to it. You don't have to take it too serious and you feel good watching it. Um, no. 
and it's gone. It's very Australian. We can relate to it. Yeah. 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 No, it's gone. It's it, yeah. I feel like they, everyone's taking themselves a little bit too serious. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, and that brings me to my, another question I had is the, um, we've always be it Australian music, be it Australian we can say Australian arts as a whole, we have always seen ourselves as, yeah. I suppose, second best. Um, and it, so that obviously presents a lot of challenges. I mean, we've got 25 million people now. You think that we would be able to have, we mm. don't, we don't have a tonight show. We we don't even have no. Hey, Hey, it's Saturday anymore. So when someone famous turns up in the country, there isn't that weekly show to see what they're yeah. acting in or singing about. Um so the challenges then in terms of what you see for TV and for movie in Australia, you know, is it, is it the hardest it's ever been? Uh, look, I think so. I think that, you know, we say that we feel like it's getting better, but I, I, I feel like there's, uh, I always say, like I've worked with various actors and there's, there's a bunch of really good actors, comedic actors as well, like, you know, Steve Bastoni, Steve Mazakis, um, Damien Walsh Howling, you know, all these kind of uh, actors, uh, Nick Farnell, uh, and some of them that people haven't heard of, but they're all really good actors that don't have, or comedic actors that don't have a platform to to really kind of show their stuff, you know, yeah. as performers, uh, like the Americans do, for example, yeah. or the Europeans you know, we don't have those sitcoms. We don't have uh, those comedy sort of shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm or, yeah. you know, sketch comedy doesn't exist anymore. Tonight shows don't exist anymore. You know, yeah. gone are the days of Don Lane, the, the, you know, or Steve Weizard or, you know, yeah. um, even the most recent one I think might have been Rove and uh, even that had, you know, some sketches and, and a live band and, and yep. guests and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're right. We just, I think in that respect, it's not getting any better and it doesn't seem to be the populace right now. It doesn't seem to be something that the industry is concentrating on or want to even pursue, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like there's always this kind of competition um, with the American, I had to say it, but with the Americans... Uh, with the American content, it's like, oh, well, they're doing, uh, uh, you know, a show like Succession, so maybe we have to do, you know, something very similar or, you know, there was, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, 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 it's kind of like we have a unique voice. Uh, we've got lots of stories to tell. Uh, why aren't we doing those? You know, why aren't we doing our own thing? And I feel like there are a lot of, I feel like, and I hate to say it, but the industry, I feel like are ticking a lot of boxes that they need to tick, but they're yeah. not necessarily concentrating on some of the unique stories that probably should be told yeah, uh, in Australia, yeah, if you yeah. know what I mean, <laughs> without 100%. pointing fingers. So I agree with you. Yeah, I, I feel like there's not. there's not a lot, there's not enough of it, you know. And even even if you look at, at the list of films that came out this year, you know, I think recently I saw um, a list of uh, actor-nominated films, the Actors Awards, the nominated films. There are about 
17 nominated films. Uh, we weren't nominated, but um, most of those were dramas. Most of those were kind of dark films. Um, Elvis was the biggest grossing film on that list and no other film on that list made more than I think it was $1.5 million at the box office. Wow. And what boy, I think we've made close to $3 million. We're the only Australian film that's made money at the box office behind Elvis. And I don't know if you can consider Elvis an Australian film, yeah. uh, even though it was uh, directed by an Australian and shot in Australia with Australian actors, uh, some Australian actors. Um, so if you kind of took Elvis out of the picture, then Wog Boys Forever is the biggest grossing Australian film of the year. Like, it's great for our yeah. film, but not so great for the industry when you know that the rest of the films have not made money, you know. Yeah. So our industry, I feel, isn't going so so great. Sure, some of those films have gone to streaming and, and maybe they had really good budgets and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I, I, I feel like when we're still not doing enough. No, I agree. I agree. And, it, and I'm guessing funding is going to be the biggest uh, limiting factor. Um, and tell me if oh, I'm Oh, don't wrong. get me started. Yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> so, because I read that Nick struggled to get any, any uh, originally any funding to do this movie. Um, so obviously he, I don't know, is it Screen Australia? Is that yeah. who you can apply for a grant? I'm guessing. And, and apparently they got knocked back for, for some reason. Um, look, yes. Oh, look, oh, you know, we didn't get apart from the prince offset. We didn't get the support we were we were looking for from Screen Australia or Film Victoria, uh, which is big uh, screen at the moment uh, now. Um, we don't know what the reason is. We can't assume we know what what the reason is that we didn't get that backing. But um, and then you look at some of the – it's disappointing because you look at the history of Wog Boy and it's yeah. commercially it's one of the most successful franchises uh, in Australian history. Um, and maybe, you know, uh, Crocodile Dundee, if that's an Australian film, you know, is it, probably one of the biggest um, that's come out of Australia. But Wog Boy, the Wog Boy franchise is, is a commercial success if you look at the numbers, right? Um, and just based on that, regardless of whether they like the script or the people involved or the story we're telling, um, I think it has, it had, well, I think it obviously has a huge audience and a loyal audience and not to get behind something like that um, and, and help yeah. uh, get behind a, a successful um, project that could potentially do well in the industry is is beyond you yeah. know I, I don't I don't know I can't give you any rhyme or reason why they would say no to that um, and I just feel like it comes down to again we're we're not ticking the right boxes for them yeah where and and I we kind of see it in the industry being part of the industry I kind of see it the other way going okay. Sure, there's there's room for everything, and if you want to make your art house film, that's fine. If you want to make your dark uh, film or horror, you know horror film or or a film uh, that kind of touches on a subject that's important 
um, that, uh, but at the same time, there's got to be a balance. And I feel like there's not many comedies out there. No. We're really the only comedy that it, I can't think of, unless you can think of another no. comedy that came out. I haven't, this I haven't year. even last year, I wouldn't even be able to tell you what, what was a comedy that came out. Yeah. Like, I kind of feel like it's disappointing. Why wouldn't you get behind something like this that has obviously has a very loyal audience? And yeah. and Screen Australia is funded by the people. It's taxpayers' money, right? Yeah. I'm well, that's what I've yeah. I feel that yeah, if it's yeah. a government run uh initiative, it's a government run uh company, then it's the taxpayers' money. So yeah, sure, they helped with the, the producer's offset, but it really was difficult to raise the money oh, that imagine. we needed to make the film. I've got to tell you, I, 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 I can't probably tell you what the actual budget was, but I can tell you it was less than $3 million. And and uh, uh, a lot of the films that were funded by Screen Australia and were made this year uh, had much bigger budgets, and we're talking oh, eight. Wow. 10 12 million dollars wow. you know and none of them made money but we're Jeez. we're making a film at a much smaller scale yeah that kind of looks you know you've seen the film on screen yep. it, it looks like a 10 million dollar film oh 100% you know you, you couldn't you probably couldn't tell the difference no 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 uh, so we make we made it work yeah and and i i give credit where credit's due you know nick was determined to make this film with or without their help and he did it he was able to raise uh, it wasn't enough money. It never is enough money, yeah. but he was able to raise enough money uh, in private equity to make the film. And and he put his money where his mouth is too. He 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 kind of uh, put um, uh, some money into the project. And and also as create as as people who worked on the film uh, crew uh, also took a hit. You know, we we took a hit on our fees. Um, and I know, I know, we did deals with uh, uh, post houses like Backlot Studios, who were nice enough to take a hit as well, and and we were able to kind of pull in favors to to make the film. But it's not necessarily how we want to do it. And no. if we don't get the the help and the backing from these government, because you know our industry, the backbone of our industry in Australia is Screen Australia, and it is the the you know the the Film Victorias or, or Screen New South Wales or Screen West that. Uh, if we're talking about the rest of um, Australia, is the way films get made. You know, it's very, very hard to raise private equity because it's not a profitable, it is a very risky business. You know, if you invest money into a film, it's very, very difficult to get a return on that. Uh, and it's easier on a smaller budget, obviously, uh, and I think Wog Boy is going to be is going to do well. Um, and you know it's it's coming out on Paramount Plus on the 21st of November. So uh, we're grateful that Paramount um, saw the the uh, uh, the the capability of that film to reach a, a broader audience. And yeah. so we have a, another platform where people people that couldn't get to the theatre or or don't necessarily go and watch films at a cinema anymore because they like watching a film in the comfort of their own home, then now they can watch it on Paramount+. Plus. So in a way, it's kind of like there are other ways to make a film, but ultimately I think 
you know, um, Screen Australia should really kind of look at uh, diversifying a little bit and and maybe there should be a bit more of a balance. I don't know. Yeah. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Is um, is there any other world markets for, you know, like the, the, the British used to, obviously when we had neighbours, they they used to like watching neighbours. Is there anywhere in the, around the world that you're aware of that countries like watching Australian content? Um, I think, look, I think the Americans are, are coming around. It, it's funny because, you know, um, we're still a foreign country to America, even though we speak yeah. English and our films <laughs> are, are English. I think the accent kind of throws them a little bit. It's hard, it's hard for them to understand. But I think movies like, you know, Chopper, and uh, Animal Kingdom and, you know, things like that have kind of paved the way and opened up uh, the minds of of, uh, of US audiences. So I think there is, you know, and a perfect example is um, a, a film that a good friend of mine is in, um, Stephen Mazarkis, is in a film called The Stranger, which is um, uh, stars Joel Edgerton. And um, I think that's, I think it's number three, something like number three uh, film in the top ten around the world and it's it's been screened over 28 million, uh, I think 28 million hours oh, or wow. something like that. So it's it's huge, huge uh, thing for a, an Aussie film like like The Stranger to be out there and, and uh, watched by so many millions of people. Uh, I think it's great, and I think yeah. it, it's it, it just goes to show that it can Aussie films can kind of uh, be appreciated by you know uh, other people around the world, and and that includes Europeans as well. So, yeah. Do, do you think one one thing I've always hoped that someone would do, and if anyone probably would, it would most likely be the ABC. Although the ABC is not the same ABC that it was ten mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but you've got all this content and I often think of it from a perspective of like, so yourself, you're a creator, even a musician creates something, releases it and it, you know, it, it spikes and then it's, it's off there and it's out there forever. But with, with all, like, even if you go back all through, um, Australian movies that have been made and Australian TV shows, and even if you went to shows not that far back, let, let, let's say, uh, Upper Middle Bogan, or if you wanted to go further back to Altogether Now, and even further back to some of the 70s yeah. cop shows, um, some of the ABC movies that were made. I mean, ABC years ago made some really great movies. Um, mm. the Dr. Blake yeah. mysteries. I mean, that, that in itself there's no platform. I would think there'd be a market for someone like the ABC to have a, a station that just plays that stuff. So you can go on on a Monday, every night yeah. of the week, and there's old TV series, you know, Mother and Son, um, all those sort of shows. Yeah. If you if you want to watch it, it's there. You don't have to dig too hard for it. And even if you had had to have ads on it, so it paid its ex- its existence in yeah. terms of broadcasting um, costs. But surely there would be a market and and as a creator yourself, you would feel better knowing that once a year, the Walkboy movie is going to be played and it will reach yeah, someone in- who didn't see it's it. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, look, I, you know, I, I don't have the answers to that and I don't know why they, they wouldn't, but more and more we see less and less of 
uh, some of our past past work, and which is, has been great uh, yeah. over the years. But yeah, it's it's really strange. I don't know why that is, and I think there was a, a streaming, and I don't know if it still exists, but there was a streaming company called Ozflix, which they were kind of trying to. Um, be a streamer where they would just play Aussie films and TV shows. But oh, right. I, I don't know if they had I don't, yeah. I don't know if they had the financial backing to kind of take it all the way. So I don't know what's happened to them. But, you know, yeah. they were kind of trying to do that, I think. That's a great some stage. It would be great if they did, even if they jumped on the back with someone else, partnered with Netflix as a as a an icon on their platform, yeah. <laughs> just some sort of collab, yeah. something, just to keep that content alive and people continually able to discover it by chance because it's on. You know, not have to go sure, hunting. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Maybe one day. Well, yeah, let's hope because I mean, there's a lot of good stuff out there that just gets forgotten over time, and it, and it it really shouldn't. Yeah. Um, some of it doesn't age well, but if you're looking for a product of the no. time, then it's you just appreciate it for what it was. Yeah, absolutely, I, and I think you know, um, don't get me started on on cancel culture and and wanting to change the past and yeah. things yeah. that were. Yeah. You know, I, I get that some things are not appropriate now, but back then it's, you know, it's uh, it's what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. trying to change, trying to cancel faulty towers because of, yeah. you know, whatever is just ridiculous to me. You yeah. know, it, it was what it was. It was a, it was a, a very popular and well-loved show and, you know, I think you can teach your children that that was the times. Yes, we were allowed to say that back then. We can't say it now. Yeah, but that's yeah. what we were allowed to do back then. Yeah. You know, it was, you know, it, yeah. we, we were, it, it's a, it was, we were joking. Yes, there are certain things that we shouldn't continue doing, but we're also, I think, taking ourselves a little bit too serious oh, and absolutely. forgetting that it's, it's okay to laugh. It's okay to laugh at ourselves. It's okay to laugh at, at yeah. the things we do as, as men, as women, as children, as, you know, as different, uh, you know, uh, genders or whatever. Uh, I think it's it's okay to just laugh at ourselves. Like we we do do that. Or well, that's yeah. that's me. You know, yeah. um, and we we tend to forget that. Uh, and we just we can't take everything seriously, and we can't no. That's the be thing, offended by everything. And we have a choice. We can either watch it, or we don't. We can either be yeah. offended by it and turn it off, or you know, we don't have to like. Everyone has different likes. Everyone has different kind of uh, ways of ingesting content uh, and the kind of content. And we should have a choice yeah. on what we want to watch. Yeah, for whatever. sure. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. stop looking. I'll probably get cancelled. I'll probably get cancelled <laughs> for saying this, Francis. No, uh, probably... no. Look, I, you know, people, are, <laughs> they're looking for things to be offended about. I think if, if uh, Benny Hill was still alive, he'd be the devil. I mean, yeah. Oh, he'd be the devil. They'd, they'd kill him. <laughs> Funny space we live in. And is yeah, there absolutely. anything at the moment that you're working on that you you can you can uh, talk about, or is it all hush hush? Yeah. Look, um, look, um, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, it's always a struggle to get that next project off the ground. Yeah. And I'm I'm lucky enough to to kind of do a, a lot of different things in between projects. 
Uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm shooting cooking shows with a wonderful company called H Squared, and, and they produce, um, yeah, they produce uh, a bunch of cooking shows for Channel 10 and SBS and, uh, and Fox, uh, a Foxtel. Um, and I'm having a great time shooting cooking shows at the moment. But, um, you know, we, we're, we're, developing and uh i i recently adapted uh, a, a book into a screenplay called the dons um which we're hoping to get off the ground uh, next year um and i've been working on that for the last year and a half to two years um and we've finally uh, got the our final approved draft so hopefully we go into uh it's production ready and we're going to uh casting uh, very soon um and it's it's based on a wonderful little book that was written about twenty years ago by Archie Fuzilo, who's um, and it's about a, uh, a a young kid, sixteen year old kid, who shares a father and uh, or his his non his Italian set in the eighties, early nineties forming film that kind of touches on the how we deal with dementia um and and aging getting old you know yeah. and 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 the 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 sort of different generations you know, the, that generation gap so i think it's a, a it's a really really beautiful film that i'm looking forward to uh to uh putting on the on the big screen or small screen we don't know these days yeah. um there are a couple of other films I'm working uh, on, uh, a nice little romantic comedy called uh, Pontiac Diary, uh, written by the same one of the guys who wrote uh, Growing Up Smith, Greg Houghton, um, and um, another film called uh, um, uh, The uh, Epiphany of Faye. So there's a lot, a lot of other projects that I'm kind of developing and, and not, I've learned uh, my my lesson the hard way that you can't just bank on one film and kind of work on that one particular film. Um, I my business partner, a longtime business partner, Joe Accurso, um, we've been business partners for about eighteen years, and we did a film called uh, Big Mama's Boy, which is a actually the poster. Yeah, <laughs> yep, see the poster. Oliver Lance and and Joe was anything I, I've done up up until now, and um and uh but we, it took six years to make. Oh wow! And then uh, after that was made, it took another six years to make the next film, and so on. And so we kind of like realized, oh, we can't just bank on on one film because. They take so long to get off the ground. So we've kind of, in the last couple of years, um, been sort of working much harder, but at the same time developing a lot of different projects and also working on some TV projects as well. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate all your time. It's been, you know, it's been fascinating talking to you and that insight into into your oh, world thanks. has been really, really interesting. It's um, I'm glad I got to ask these sort of questions. Oh, thank you, Francis. You know, making movies for me is my my work my passion my hobby wow, that's <laughs> you know, my love yeah. so so you, you so wake up you on a monday and you're happy to do it yeah and you can't just turn your back on it and go well it's it's too hard i'm not going to do it anymore you know yeah and it, and and it's hard to you know people especially younger people kind of um 
always hit me up and say, you know, I want to, I want to be an actor. I want to be a filmmaker. What, you know, what advice can you give me? And I, it's really hard to kind of go, well, you know, stick at it, kid. You'll, you'll, you'll be great. You know, uh, (laughs) you kind of like, you have to give them the reality of it. And, uh, you know, I kind of in a way wished I I listened to my dad. My dad said to me early on when I, when I told him I wanted to do this, he said, go and, find a real job and then and have that as a you know a, a, oh, something so to fall, fall back, back on yeah and then and then when you get to a but you know I was so stubborn that I was like no no I'm gonna do this I'm gonna and my dream was to go to Hollywood and make a Hollywood film which I kind of fulfilled yeah. um, in a roundabout way I did go to the US and, and make a Hollywood indie film um but ultimately what I say to to these younger this younger is kids is just follow your dreams work yeah. find out what you love doing and 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 do it do it well work hard um and follow those dreams and hopefully one day they'll come true you know um if you love it if you love it uh, enough um and you want to do it then you'll find a way my my path was very different to a lot of people that I've worked with you know some went I didn't go to I went to university, but I didn't do filmmaking. Um, uh, I, I learned my trade by accident. And some people go to school and, and learn the trade or some people, you know, sort of grow up in the industry. Um, so there's lots of different ways that uh, you can get to where you want to get uh, as, a, as a filmmaker or as an actor or producer, director. Uh, I saw Dave Faulkner of um, the Hoodoo Gurus, you know, the lead singer of the oh, Hoodoo yeah. Gurus. Yeah, he he yeah. gets asked that question about, you know, people say to him, what advice have you got for, uh, you know, people coming up through the industry? And he said, well, the first thing is that if you're doing it for fame or money, stop doing it. That's right. Um, <laughs> but if you love it and you're prepared to do anything else so you can keep doing it, then you're on the right path. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree 100% because if you're doing it for – for fame and money, then you're chasing the wrong the wrong dream, yeah. you know, and you'll be d- disappointed when you if and when you get there. But if you're doing it for the love of it, it doesn't matter if you're doing you know small films, big films, cooking shows, yeah, you know, whatever. You you'll do it, uh, and, and you'll love doing it, and you want to go to work. You know, I think yeah. that's the most important thing. I I love getting up in the morning and and going to work because for me, it's not work. I have yeah. fun doing it. I love working in a collaborative environment where people are like-minded and they all want to do the same thing. So, and yeah. telling stories, you know, it's there's, it, a, there's a lot of heartbreak, but there's also a lot of joy. I just, you know, would love that one day us as Australians would put more stock in our own work and that might Yes. be a bit of the petrol on a fire that could turn it into a booming industry and people want to hear our stories, want to see our actors, um, you know, and, and it just gives it that platform where it can really grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we forget, uh, look, yeah, it's a business. I think I think greed is the root of all evil, uh, if I can be so cliche, but um, and the, the industry puts a lot of emphasis on box office, you yeah. know, and the only box office is Marvel films or yeah. you know, yeah. superhero films or these tentpole films or action films. And they forget that that filmmaking 
um, or the art of sto- storytelling telling is is art. You know, I feel like it's something that can be. It's enjoyed by you know it it, it during lockdowns. It was something that we turned to, but yet Australia don't see. Uh, I feel like the, the they don't see how important this industry is to the whole community, to to our country. Um, And it it doesn't have to transcend to other, you know, internationally. But I I think if they put less emphasis on, you know, it somehow has to make money or it has to do well at the box office for that filmmaker to do the next film or to entertain, it's just do good quality, make good quality content and it will find an audience. Um, regardless of its genre, um, I think the like the Europeans do, or the French. You know, so I, I don't know if it's run by the government, but the nice thing they do is like a couple of dollars from each ticket they sell at the box office goes back into the industry, and that helps kind of like feed um, the the up and coming filmmakers and, That's a really and good idea. Uh, directors and producers. I think if we had something like that here, or something that. You know, and I was I was talking to someone that was at VCA recently, and um, it was unfortunately to see that they got budget. Unfortunate to hear they got budget cuts and uh, and stuff like that. And it shouldn't be happening. It should be the other way around, where they're yeah. injecting more money into the future of our industry, the future of our storytellers and filmmakers and creatives and writers and and uh, and cinematographers. Um, uh, they should be pumping more money into that. And whether they get it from the government or whether they come up with a scheme where, uh, you know, the, the couple of bucks from each ticket sold at the, at the box office goes back into something like that, then find a way to do it. We can do it for something to continue like any business. It needs to make a profit needs and to, make a profit. to do that. Yeah. yeah, but there has to be a, a, a better balance, I think. Yeah. You know, there's got to be room for smaller films because, you know, like, Big Mama's Boy is a, is a perfect example because when that came out, we we had a small release. I think it was twenty cinemas. Uh, when that came out, we actually our opening weekend was really good for an Aussie film. We had a high screen average of about four thousand a screen, uh, which is great for an Aussie film. There were there were cinemas that were selling out, and word of mouth started to spread. But the cinemas just cut our you know they cut us out. Uh, uh, the, in the second week, um, and we were left with like three screens in in our second weekend, because they had to make room for the big oh. films like Captain America. I think back then was Captain America, Planet of the Apes, Spider Man, and we didn't have a chance. You know, the the we didn't have a chance to kind of. Uh, uh, I think there are a lot of other films. I know a lot of other filmmakers who have had similar experiences where they just can't find that platform for their work to be screened on, you know, it's, it's yeah. very, very difficult. And I think that's got to change somehow. I don't know how, yeah. but it does have to change. And, it, it... and, and what would be an interesting take, and, and this just could be the way I see it is um, shows, obviously when a TV show launches, you know, it's, well, you would assume it's got longevity in mind, but if you, if you look at what I think Gavin and Stacey did is they made it to tell a story 
and it wasn't made with, well, we want to keep going and going and going and going. We've got a story to tell in this amount of episodes. People fall in love with it. And then we move on to the next thing. And everyone's got the next thing happening. And everyone's looking for the next really great project because that achieved its task. It didn't have to be yes. everything to everyone all the time for as long as mm. it could. And that's that's probably a different way too, is to, to look at making stuff just to get that story across if it's 22 episodes or 15, whatever it may be, but yeah. then move on. That's right. Absolutely. And I think there's enough of those out there, enough great ideas that we just have to somehow get them, get them a platform. Yeah. That they can. Pay and arts in, in it's, it's something that needs support. So if, if ever there was a surplus of money I had to throw around, it'd be the first place I'd be doing it. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, it's obvious that you're really passionate about the film, uh, the film and television industry. You're very knowledgeable about, <laughs> yeah, especially well, about some of those older shows. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I like watching a lot of older stuff. It's just it was easy. You know what I mean? It was. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of it too. Like, I, if you compare uh, shows like Columbo, the the, oh, the performance. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in the story. It didn't require. Yeah action it didn't require violence or or even pretty girls it it just was the story and um you know it was such a yeah and also the, i think the characters i think that we could uh a lot of those shows that worked really well were were we could we can had a connection with those characters we had a connection with colombo you know um happy days was one of my favorite shows because i had this connection i wanted to be like the fonz you yeah, know and so yeah, you watched yeah. every week and and yeah. shows like that um especially shows like colombo or some of those older um sort of uh detective shows it was a very similar story every episode started with a, a murder yeah. and it was colombo's job to solve that uh yeah. and then he would solve it at the end so it, there weren't any surprises but ultimately you went on that journey with that character you because did. you could, yeah. You, yeah. you know, there was a connection with with uh, yeah. that particular character. And, and I thought uh, they made it harder for themselves because you saw what happened and you were trying to think, how is he going to figure this out? I already know right. who did it. Um, <laughs> and, and it was just that piecing together. It was very, very cleverly done. Obviously that had a great run and, um, but yes, yeah, there's, yes. there's just no shows like that, and there's no heroes. There's no TV heroes. We don't. We have actually no heroes, TV heroes. But there's no TV no. heroes. Yeah, you know, Walker, Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, he was a, he's MacGyver. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, all of the, the A Team, Knight Rider, Dukes of Hazard. Ah, I mean, yeah, Knight Rider. <laughs> you know, they were all just um. Oh, they were just they were characters. They were personality and characters, and you could gel to them and look up to them and um. I don't know these days. I mean, what kids look up to? What 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 is their roadmap when they're the Kardashians? Know? The Kardashians, and that's the wrong that's roadmap. We're off course. We're, <laughs> we're in the bushes. Absolutely, right? I agree. I have a teenage daughter, and uh, I don't know if it does. I think it does more harm than good, to be honest. So, <laughs> what trouble. you're saying, Francis, is let's bring back the old days, right? I would love to. I that's... think one of my favorite shows is Knight Rider, and I think if they were going to bring it back, they've tried and they're trying too hard to make it something it never was. And they're trying to make yes. it what it is now. If they're going to do it, go. Either, you either go back and revisit the same stories in today's world, or yes. you go back and set it in 1980 as a continuation. Don't try and reinvent the wheel, just refine it. 
Yeah, I, and I agree. And I think a lot of that stuff was very tongue in cheek. It's it reminds me of a story. So I had a an executive that Warner Brothers saw growing up Smith on a on a plane oh, a few years oh. back, and and really loved and really loved it. And so he wanted to meet me. So uh, and I was in Australia at the time, and and I and I, I said to my managers at the time, look, I'm happy to get on a on a on a call or a, on a on Skype uh, was back then. A Zoom wasn't invented yet, um, and um, and he's like, and my manager was like, no, no, he he wants to meet you in person. So I ended up flying to LA, back to LA, and oh, wow. this was just before COVID, and um, and had a meeting with him, and uh, it was very nice. And he's like, what what kind of movies do you want to make? And I said, look, I, I I'm a bit old school, and I really want to sort of make feel-good movies. And uh, and he said, well, if I had to give you something, I think I can't remember the exact wording, but uh, that that Warner Brothers was doing, what would you do? And I, and I said, Superman. Yeah. He said, really? And I said, yeah, yeah. I, I, and he goes, what would you do different? I said, I'd go back to the original. Yeah. I said, because... It wasn't. It wasn't taking itself so seriously. Hundred percent. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yep. It was tongue in cheek. It knew what it was. You know. It was yeah. entertaining. I, Those I think first that, two were unreal. They were. They were great uh, movies. The first yeah. Two. The original Superman, Superman one and two, uh, yep. with Christopher Reeve. I mean, one of my favorite films, um, because it wasn't really about the the strength and the, and the the power of of the su- superhuman. Uh, character it was it was really the the Clark Kent and who he was and and, and the struggles and who he, he had with falling in love and all the other aspects yeah and yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and it, it was kind of like you know it, I think they forget it's it's not just about the action and the big you know like all these superhero films they're all they all feel and look the same the world's coming yeah. to an end there's big explosions yeah. and and, yeah, and so now they extreme. need 10 superheroes to yeah. band together to try and save the world it's not yeah. just one superhero and they forget that that's not the story yeah. that's not what we love uh yeah, exactly. to watch it's yeah. about the characters and their journey yeah. and and who they want to be and how we see ourselves within that character. Yeah, 100%. And, and so that was, you know, and, and it all boils back. To, I think I agree with you. It's bring back the old days. I feel like there, there's a lot more um, merit in re not retelling those stories but looking at those stories and tell it in a, in a you know, a, a more sort of uh, yeah. current way but. Uh, in essence, that's what they got right back then, which we I think we're getting wrong these days. Yeah, I agree. And and I and and on the Warner Brothers level, I think um, if they were to do one thing, I reckon they could you could get creative with. You'd ruffle a few feathers. Is doing another Dirty Harry, and even if you used Clint Eastwood's oh, yeah. son, I mean, yeah, put his son in the role. <laughs> that's a that's a great idea. <laughs> and, and 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 I was reading a thing where when one of them was released, I think it was Magnum Force, apparently there was uproar saying, oh, it's too brutish and it's too sexist. And that was back in 1974 or 75. Yeah, they were right. saying wow. that. So, okay, wow. brace yourself for a, for a bit of a storm. But at the end of the day, I think there's an opportunity to be quite creative there with the way it was filmed. And especially when you watch Dirty Harry now, um, 
the, the way it was filmed and the way they, like you were saying about using Melbourne, the way they use San Francisco and the, the scenery yeah, and the, you know, the, yeah. the, the staircases up to the rooftops and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I just think there's an avenue to create a movie with old world charm in a modern context as, as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So bring so, it, bring it back. Bring Again, back, if say. if the lotto comes through, we'll be busy for years. <laughs> <laughs> We're between you and me, yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, thanks so much, Frank. I really appreciate your time. Um, that's that's been a oh. it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I mean, I, even from oh, my, my point my of view, pleasure, I've, I've got hardly anything to edit out of them. Some of them become nightmares, and you spend two weeks clipping and copying. But this is exactly right. the the conversation I, I you know dream of having. Oh, I appreciate that, mate. Uh, thank you so much, and you're a, you're a great host, and uh, I love your uh, sensibilities and your taste in in movies and, and TV shows. <laughs> thank All you, right. Frank. Take care. Cheers. Okay, bye. Thanks very much for sticking through. Sorry that the audio quality wasn't great. I have a favour to ask if you did enjoy the show or you know anyone that you think would enjoy the show, please do share it with them. If you could also leave a five star review. It's a funny system, but it's only five-star reviews that seem to count, and the more you get, the further up the ranks you go into the podcast being shown to other people as a suggestion. Um, So if you can do that, that would be great. But look, more importantly, if you can share it, that's really all I care about. If you think that someone would like it and they get something from it, just please share it. If you want to find out more about the show or about the episode, head over to bumpingintocom There you'll find information uh, about other episodes. You'll find more information about Frank and this episode. You'll even find a t-shirt. So if there's anything else you want, head over to bumpingintocom.au and I will catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening.